Happy Monday and welcome back to our final week of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we've been going over every minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. It, Jim, I, you know, I've been saying it this whole time, I'm not going to quit now, we're in our last week, of I love episodes where we get to have some guests to talk to and uh today we have a really great one we have nasa's chief historian bill barry with us today uh bill thank you for coming on it's really my pleasure thanks yeah it, it uh that is one of those gosh dream jobs how, how long have you been, have, have you been in the history office of, of nasa bill um almost exactly 10 years i uh, started a job in the um, uh, end of august uh, 2010 wow and uh, this is, uh, I guess you're out of D.C., is that right? Or Yeah, the, the, there's a history office uh, at most of the NASA centers, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm the one at the headquarters one, so. Wow. It, uh, I mean, what a, what a, what a great job to have. Um, there's so, there's so much, uh, there's so much history, but there's so much, uh, the good, the good, the greatest thing about NASA is they leave a nice paper trail. So I, I'm sure that, uh, you've had a lot of experiences digging into the, the archives and the file rooms and, uh, and seeing when, when, whenever you followed a particular subject, there must've been a lot of stuff in the back rooms to read about. Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, we couldn't have a history program without the uh, archival, uh, assets that we have and, and the great archivists we have that, that manage all that stuff and are able to find all those you know pieces of paper. And the great thing about the particularly the Apollo era is that, you know, back in those days there was you know, everything was on paper, so it's pretty easy to find. You just had to you just had to scoop up the paper before we head out the door. Because uh, uh, all the records officially go to the National Archives. Well, at least some of the records go to the National Archives, the ones that the National Archives wants to keep. Um, and But we keep, you know, copies of key documents that, that uh, be at the National Archives so that we can find them easier. Uh, but we also have a whole bunch of other stuff that, that wasn't considered, you know, national level records, but that uh, is really critical to, to knowing what happened and figuring out who was responsible for what and what decisions they made. And, and, and that's a that's a great asset, both for... You know, knowing what happened during Apollo 13, but also for planning for the future you know, exploration missions, we you know we take a deep dive sometimes to figure out, you know, what uh, what we can learn from the past and make, make mistakes we don't want to make again in the future. And, and it's not and it's not just paper. I mean, with so many, I, I know one of my favorite parts of the NASA History Office is all the oral histories that have been, uh, I mean, some, you know, they've been transcribed, but you can also listen to on, on thankfully for the, the NASA uh, website, you can listen to the people who were involved, the actual, the, the, the ones who made history and things that normally wouldn't come up in a, you know, in a five minute interview and things. You've got stuff down to the nuts and bolts. And uh, I really appreciate that part of uh, the History Office's outreach uh, for, for providing so much that's I'm I'm always astounded. Every time I go, in, it's dangerous for me to go on the NASA <laughs> website because it, you go down a rabbit hole, and like three hours later, you're like, I never knew that about the you know they switched <laughs> to metric bolts on this or that, and it's it's fascinating. Uh, yeah, it's but, really easy to get lost. I, I, yeah. I do it frequently and I have to get pulled back out of the out of the rabbit hole all the time. But uh, but the uh, the oral history things uh, there have been 
NASA's done a lot of oral histories, uh, but the folks that are sort of the real experts at it are our historians down at Johnson Space Center, uh, and they're the ones who've done you know have the deepest archive of that that material. And and uh, uh, you know when I when, if if somebody comes to me and says we need to do oral history of this person, I usually put it on my list of things that I want the guys at, at Johnson to do because you know they they do their homework, they get ready for those. Pre you can you can tell reading through those. Um, you know, transcripts and listening to the, the recordings that those guys really know how to run an oral history interview to, to get the most out of it. Um, I, I've done a couple of oral histories myself. I am nowhere near that good. So, <laughs> so I'm glad we have those guys. And, and uh, that's a great resource. Well, one of the things that we've been using, what we're constantly referring to in this show for over the many episodes, is uh, the uh, Apollo Flight Journals, the lunar the lunar journals, or in this case, the, the Apollo Flight Journals for uh, 13, where not only do you have the complete transcript of all uh, uh, ground-to-space transmissions, but there's little asides, there's little annotations and, and footnotes that explain when they when they use an acronym, what the acronym means, they'll show you a map or a, a, a schematic of, of what the particular system that they're talking about is involved, and just the the depth and the breadth of the, of the knowledge is just amazing. Uh, I can't thank you all enough for uh, for providing this to the public. It's just such a great uh, it's just a, it's such a great give back to the people who you know who watch these things from afar. Yeah, well, the the great part about that, from my perspective, is is that. I, I can say thank you very much and, and bask in the, the glory of it. But uh, in reality, there's hardly any work that we do on the, you know, the, the folks who work at NASA for this. Um, the Apollo Lunar Surface Journal and the Apollo Flight Journal are, are both done by um, a huge international group of volunteers. And uh, we host it on our, our website. And, you know, we, we do you know, give some support from, you know, for, for finding answers to questions if they come up or something. But, but those guys, they're, they really know their stuff, and uh, and they do a great job of of digging up the facts that that are interesting and annotating those things. and And it's it's kind of grown organically from originally the Lunar Surface Journal had kind of a very limited scope. It's you know we're going to look at what the guys did when they were on the moon. Those twelve people who walked on the surface of the moon, and then uh, of course David Woods uh, decided, well, we should do this for the rest of the flights. You know, so that's where the flight journal came from. And uh, over time, you know, a cluster of amazing you know people who are really you know history geeks and space addicts have uh, really flushed out those sites to to make them uh, an incredible resource for anybody who wants to know you know, what happened in those missions yeah I, I think it's it's a great cooperative venture that you know nasa provides this the, the web resource and then there's so many people who they have this and we hear we hear from these people that, that write into our show that have this innate knowledge of every every uh, screw and, and and page number of everything uh, that they want they want to share this information. I mean, there's just such an urge for when you when you know something, you want to let other people know about it. And uh, the idea that this that it's you know it, it could easily be a government versus a you know public thing, but it's such a cooperative venture that uh, that you're providing the. The platform for other for other people to share this experience it's it's just great and you can't can't thank uh, thank nasa enough for being being a part of all this well i mean um, it's, it's written into the the law that created nasa that so we're supposed to you know share with the public what what it is nasa's doing and that's a that's a big part of what the history office does is is make sure people know you know what we have done and uh do that so it's uh you know i, I feel like we're 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 not doing it just because we're being nice we're doing yeah because we're, we're we need to and we're required yeah. to so yeah, that's your job. So it's, exactly. It's, 
Yeah. Well, well, let's let's talk a little bit about this uh, this minute that we're in. We're 131 minutes into the movie, and uh, uh, we were talking bef- before the show started that this movie really doesn't have any. Th- this particular minute doesn't have any words, but it, it kind of sums up the entirety of uh, uh, the the thesis of that film that uh, the object of the the object of the mission became rather than landing on the moon is that getting three men safely back to Earth. And uh, in this, and you know, much like uh, President Kennedy's uh, uh, call to uh, to land someone on the moon and return them safely to Earth, the, the people think of the mission being accomplished in Apollo 11 was when Neil Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. But really, the the mission was accomplished when uh, Apollo 11 uh, splashed down, uh, you know, on the ocean. And uh, well, I guess when the astronauts stepped foot in Hawaii, that was that was when uh, when the mission was accomplished. And that's kind of the mission accomplished here, minute. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I know this movie, it, it's, it's strange how much this movie has sparked so much interest in, uh, the history of, of, uh, space. And I'm sure, at, you know, at you being in the history office, when you, when you make public discussions and, and, and conferences and things like that, I'm sure this movie comes up as a topic frequently. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, it's really the, the sort of the, the touch point for anybody who wants to talk about Apollo 13, because, you, you almost always wind up saying, well, you know, in the movie where this thing happened, uh, you know, that, that's either that's either like dead on or, uh, well, you know, it didn't quite happen that way. You know, Gene Kranz wasn't sitting at the flight director's chair for, you know, for the whole mission. Uh, there are these other guys that, that were flight directors, too, and they were really important, uh, you know, things like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, this movie is really sort of for a lot of people. This is the mission. You know, they, they think of Jim Lovell and they, they see Tom Hanks's face. And uh, just as far as Jim Lovell, I think that's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, but 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 it is really the the sort of um, the go to place to explain things, and and uh, and we get questions about that. And the you know, from my perspective, it's great that uh, you know the the whole production team really did their homework. In fact, I was surprised when I first uh, took over the historian's job you know, ten years ago. I walked into the archive, and I was you know, we have all these little plaques and you know, things hanging in the, in, in there for various things that, you know, awards that, that people have gotten or, or, you know, mementos that are hanging on the wall. And I walked by this, there's one little plaque and it's, it's from, you know, Ron Howard and the production team to the NASA history office. Thanks for the help with the movie. And wow. uh, yeah, so, so that, you know, they, they came to NASA headquarters and actually, I, I imagine it's probably some, you know, script writer or staffer who came in and plowed through the materials we had to take a look. But uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was tickled to see that. <laughs> Wow. And I, I think in this particular minute, it shows, uh, you know, although the science and technology is key to NASA's success, uh, the, the biggest part of NASA is its people. Um, so there's so much in this in this one minute. We start we start with the uh, the minute shows uh, Gene Kranz, although not, not there all the time, uh, Gene Kranz reacting to the successful uh, conclusion of the mission. Uh, and everyone in mission control, but then you see the you know the people that were on board the Iwo Jima. Uh, you're seeing the uh, the pilots uh, piloting the Navy 66 uh, helicopter. Um, you see the families uh, and children at home, and you know, and if, even if the kids are not, you know, their kids are away at boarding school. It's it's all about the people, and I think the story of people is what drives us you know even though the science the science drives us but i think the, the concern about the people and the number of people who work for nasa is what makes this move this movie and the story so compelling yeah I, I i think it's really uh touching and appropriate that uh 
you know, the minute ends with nobody saying anything, but you get to sort of get to see these vignettes of all these people that were involved in one way or another, because really the the challenge for a movie is to squeeze this whole story into, you know, as, many, as few minutes as it is and, and to be able to, to tell a story. And to do that, they have to remove a lot of people from the story. You know, you, you hardly see, um, you know, Glenn Lunny, for example, who's, who's absolutely critical to the first few hours of the, of the mission. Um, but he's like really not even a character. Um, and, uh, and so with this sort of, you know, minute at the end, this sort of, you know, look at the whole cast of, of who's involved there. I think it's really nice, a nice way to sort of say, you know, it wasn't just these few guys you've seen in the story and the screen. It's all these people, um, you know, all across the country and all across the world uh, that were involved in, in bringing the crew home safely. Yeah, I, it, um, I mean, one of the, one of the famous uh, parts of, of getting NASA, you know, originally started was having the, you know, the contractors and subcontractors were across across the country in different congressional districts and things, and that, that helped to uh, uh, to cement the relationship between, um, you know, the entire United States and this and the space program. But in doing so, in in making this a, you know, not just not just something happening in Houston or not just something that happening happening at you know on the space coast, making it a national effort and and making sure that there you know there were people all across the country that were intimately involved with the software, the hardware, um, training, uh, design, construction, making it a truly American effort. Uh, that you know the, the side effect was that everybody I. I I can. I mean, I'm, maybe maybe this is a different experience for a lot of other people, but I knew people that worked for Grumman uh, or their dads worked for Grumman uh, when I was growing up. But I knew there were, you know, if you, if you, if, even if you go out uh, nowadays, you might find somebody. You, you usually bump into somebody who's, you know, their grandpa worked on, uh, you know, they worked in Bethpage or they worked in uh, Huntsville. Or, you know, it, it's it's just amazing how much of uh, this effort was spread across the country. So uh, it. It was not just a regional thing. It was a, a national, a national event. Not just, I mean, not, not just. I mean, we watched it, but the, uh, the idea that it was across the country, uh, always I thought was just a, a really brilliant um, move in in the creation of of the Apollo program. Yeah, well, I, to some extent, it was they they had to. I mean, it, it was such a huge project, and um, you know, it it gets laid on on NASA. NASA's formed in 1958, and then you know, less than three years later. Uh, the president says, "Okay, going to go to the moon," um, and they were they were just still building up because, of course, the NASA was based on the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, the NACA. Um, and, and, but the NACA is a really small organization. You know, they only had you know like about four places where they had people assigned, and 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 they were used to doing sort of uh, you know the deep scientific engineering work. Okay, let's let's run this wind tunnel test, and let's you know figure out how this engine works. Let's figure out how to cool off the engines in the B-29. That's one of the things they did in World War II, um, you know, one of many things. Um, so you know, they're very task-oriented. But for Apollo, that program that big, we're going to have to build all these new rockets and spacecraft. You know, we never built a spacecraft before, right? Uh, they had to do all this stuff. Uh, it was going to require a huge effort. So they, they really did need to, to expand and, 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 and and very uncomfortably for the NACA, the old NACA guys, you know, hand a lot of that work off to, um, you know, contractors. Uh, even even not even the NACA guys, the uh, you know, the parts of 
the military were, were brought into NASA and uh, the folks in Huntsville that worked for Werner von Braun on the, the rockets who wind up designing the Saturn V, uh, those guys were very uncomfortable with anybody doing it. They, they, yeah. <laughs> as, they're, as they're building a Saturn V, they're like, okay, send us the send us the things we've done. We'll take them all apart and rebuild them again for you. Uh, and <laughs> and that was a really source, big source of conflict in, in the headquarters, you know, uh, uh, had to finally you know, put their foot down on, on that and say, you, know, you, you can only do X percentage of it uh, because you know, we need to trust our contractors and because and, you know, we won't ever get done on time if we do it the way you want to do it. So it's a huge project. I, I, I think Chris has heard this story before, but when I was growing up, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Boston. I was you know, the, the kid up there, no connection with the space program at all. Uh, but there was a guy across the street. Um, his name was Jack Leary, and uh, he worked for a company called Astro Gear Company which of course sounds pretty cool. It sounded like something from the Jetsons, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, Mr. Leary, uh, apparently they were, they provided some sort of small cog, you know, or gear that went into um, the Saturn rocket. Uh, and once I found that out, man, that poor guy, I never left him alone. <laughs> so, but, you know, he's my local hero because he, he was involved in the space program. And, and sure enough, you know, they were in the suburbs of Boston and, and here's a guy who's actually, you know, made, was involved in making something that, that you know got us to the moon. Wow, well, it, 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 I, I, I can I can match a, a, a Massachusetts story with you. My uh, our youngest lives in uh, North Adams at the uh, uh, the and she worked for uh, the uh, Massachusetts uh, Museum of Contemporary Art, the Mass Mocha, which oh, was yeah. built. It's built on the site of the old Sprague Electronics. And when she told me that she had gotten the job, she said this place used to be run by somebody named Sprague. I said Sprague, they did the. Uh, they did the electronic work for Germany, and she's like, "I've never heard of them. How do you know?" I said, "Because I used to read all the Germany schematics and things. That's Sprague Electronics." So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just funny. It's 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 embedded in the you know in the in the weave of the country, um, and uh, you know just it, I I think if anything, the story the story that got told in a, in Apollo thirteen is that there are so many people that worked on these things. And it was, you know, if this feels like, it feels like it was, it went on forever, but it was just in a short march of years, in a decade, we'd gone to the moon. And, um, you know, and this entire, this entire organization didn't really exist. I mean, the pieces were scattered around, but uh, being able to build a coherent, unified NASA to accomplish all these things and continue to accomplish all these things is, it's genius. It's, a, it's an amazing uh, story that that's still being told today. Um, I I was wondering, as in the history office, you have to follow things that happened in the past. But the uh, the pa we keep creating a new past every day. So uh, <laughs> I, the, uh. the the history office must be constantly. Uh, and we've talked about this with uh, Jennifer Labossi at the uh, at the National Air and Space Museum, trying to capture history when it's happening must be one of your most difficult tasks. I would think. Yeah. You, I I feel like, you know, that scene from The Incredibles at the beginning where they're interviewing Mr. Incredible and he, he says, you know, I just cleaned this mess up. You know, I, I, <laughs> I sometimes feel like that as a chief of story. It's like, stop making history today. I, I, I can't keep up. Um, fortunately, we have a good we have a, a team of folks across the country and uh, with uh, electronic resources, we're, we're still sort of adapting to the digital age. Um, uh, in some ways, the, the whole U.S. government, I think, is not is still sort of adapting to the digital age uh, because it used to be for example in the apollo era 
you know, there were multiple copies, carbon copies of documents made, and you know, one of those copies winds up in the history office, right? Now that doesn't happen automatically. There aren't secretaries who do that sort of thing and, and, and that stuff. So um, you, we have to figure out ways to make sure that the electronic documents, that the uh, reviews that get done in, by email and the things that get approved by, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, voice vote at a meeting, uh, that those things get captured. And we're, we're not, I, I think we're not quite there yet on, on being as effective at that as we could be. But but uh, we've been working on that a, a lot, actually, the last uh, 10 years to try and figure out how to do that. Yeah, as we're recording this, uh, Perseverance Lander uh, launched this morning. And uh, did you have folks working on this today? Were, were there people that are in, in charge of capturing stuff that's happening right now? Uh, not specifically from the history office, no. We, we generally, um, you know, the program office that's in charge of that, and, and that was a if, if anybody who's listening hasn't seen the launch, there's an awesome launch. It <laughs> so, was, yeah, so, it was amazing. So go watch it. Uh, pull up the old video and take a look. <laughs> but uh, um, generally speaking, you know, the, that stuff gets done at the program level, and then um, sort of later on, as as those documents are being you know um, dealt with, you know, electronic and, and and paper documents, mostly electronic these days. But as those documents are, are sort of moving through the uh, the process, then they sort of get scooped off. You know, the ones that, that are important to history gets get sort of scooped off. Um, and that's kind of an organic process that, that uh, you know, we, we're trying to digitize parts of that so that stuff happens automatically. It feeds into the, uh, the history server so we get a copy of that stuff. But um, but that's that's still, like I said, a work in progress. So Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, as you were saying, there's so much ephemera being generated now. And it's, it's hard to say, well, what's going to be historically valuable in, say, even 10 years from now? Um, yeah, but I, one one of the things I, I, it's part of the thing is I think people sort of imagine that you know NASA, you know the history office, because we're pretty productive. If I do say so myself, okay, I pat myself on the back here, but but we're we've been pretty productive over the last you know um, sixty years that the history office has been around at NASA, um, and thanks in large part to my predecessors in the, the job as chief historian. But um, but uh, if you if you were to sit there and count on your fingers uh, and toes, uh, you could count everybody who works in the history program at NASA, you know, today uh, on your fingers and toes. There's about 20 people. Wow. Wow. What? <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to imagine going into work. And it's like, oh, I've got to do all this. There's only, <laughs> it's just it's yeah, there's a, there's a lot to collect. But, um, you know, it, it's it, it must be very rewarding work because you get to. You get to meet a lot of the history makers here, and I, you must have some great moments from from meeting historical figures as part of all this. I would imagine that you've you've bumped into quite a few people who are responsible to get us onto the moon and onto the onto the planets and out of the solar system. Yeah, it's been it's one one of the real pleasures of the job. I mean, I I tend to complain a bit about you know all the meetings I have to go to, and it seems like I spend most of my time in meetings. But then. Uh, I got to go hang around at the Cape with Al Warden, for example, uh, wow. a couple summers ago, um, when we were uh, consulting on um, the fir on First Man, the, the movie, um, and uh, uh, I, I bumped into Neil Armstrong um, in the NASA headquarters building, and it, it, you know, this, you know, getting to shake his hand and, and saying hello, and, and and somebody says, "Hey, Neil, this is the chief historian of the agency." And he goes, he looks at me, he smiles, he goes, "I bet you're pretty busy." <laughs> <laughs> and he was in a hurry to get to go the, the congressional gold medal ceremony that day so we didn't have a chance to chat at all but uh, but that that moment was uh, was uh, worth the price of admission yeah it's 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 always amazing meeting an apollo era i mean I, it's it's amazing meeting any astronaut but I, I think the apollo era 
you see these people that have been on the you know on the backside of the moon and stuff and it's just wow and, you know <laughs> i um uh, I, I, I think I've told this story. Well, we, when we had the, when we had Frank Borman on our on our show, I kept looking at uh, Frank was sitting next to me while we were recording. We were up in up in Oshkosh all together, and Frank was sitting next to me, and I kept looking down at his right hand, and I thought he had that hand on the abort handle on Apollo Eight, and he could have, you know, he, he basically was he was driving a, a Saturn V into space the first time any man had ever done that, and that that's the hand that did that. And then he, you know, and he shook he shook my hand with that hand. It's it's just it's it's crazy when you see. I, I, I'm I run out of words to describe this, but it's it's just amazing that we still live in a time of heroes. Yeah, those interviews you guys did with Frank were were awesome. That, that I love those episodes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We're, we're going to do a follow-up show where it's just like us and Frank driving around places, like a, a comedy <laughs> sure? uh, show, you know, like coffee and cars or whatever, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Go get a hamburger <laughs> with Frank Borman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll just take a lap around the moon on the way there. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Anything with those guys is special. You know, I, I, I simply went to a pizza joint with Al, and uh, he was up here as a Space Day speaker the one year, and... You know, um, certain astron- certain astronauts or certain guests that we have, they kind of tone down their um, their appearance. You know, uh, if we go out to eat dinner or something, you know, they kind of don't wear stuff from their mission or whatever. <laughs> Not Al. Al, it, it, I just felt like we should have been driving a Corvette or something. Like, Al gets out, he's wearing the blue, you know, the blue-gray flight jacket with his mission patch on it. <laughs> you know, aviators and, like... You know, people who don't even know who he is knew he was an astronaut when he walked into that place. They're just like, it's like if you opened up the book, a dictionary to look up astronaut, there was a picture of Al, you know, and yeah. uh, it's just, uh, just a, it was just funny to be, we were eating and I could see people kind of like looking over at him to see who he is and, uh, uh, and I loved it, you know, <laughs> so yeah. the, but um, it's just, uh, uh, I think that's one of the more interesting parts of my job is because when people are here, you know, and I'm hosting them, they have to eat. You know, so we have to take them to get something to eat dinner. And uh, I think my funniest moment was we had a pilot. Uh, it wasn't an astronaut. He was a, uh, he was a helicopter pilot named Don Usher. And Don Usher, if you remember back in 1980s, Air Florida had a crash in the Potomac. And mm-hmm. there was a helicopter, a police helicopter that, that pulled people out of the water. Well, Don was the helicopter pilot. Wow. And we had him up here to speak about, you know, flying this, this, this rescue profile that he did. And we took him to lunch, and we're sitting at lunch at like a Red Robin, and the they have a TV on, and the TV had the Weather Channel on, and there's Don on the Weather Channel talking about his flight, and the the server came over to get our order, and they're looking at Don, and then they're looking at the TV, you know, and then <laughs> finally the server is like, "You're freaking me out, man," <laughs> you know. But I always wonder, we're out, like, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, if these people only knew who was sitting in this restaurant at this moment, you know, it'd be uh, pretty funny. <laughs> Bill, I've, I've got to ask, how did you wind up at NASA? How, how did the, what was your what was your career prep that got you into being the NASA, the chief NASA historian? Oh man, uh, it, it is completely random. And, and people have asked me, you know, how do I get to be NASA chief historian? I said, well, don't do what I did because it, it, <laughs> it, it finally worked, but it was only kind of by accident. Um, I, I was one of those guys, you know, Jim. I think you and I are probably of an age there, and uh, you know, I grew up in the '60s, and uh, and I wanted to, to be an astronaut in the worst. I, I saw John Glenn. Literally, the thing I first remember in my life is watching Walter Cronkite talk about whether John Glenn would get home safely. 
uh, from from orbit, and I was hooked. Uh, yeah. I was, so I decided I'm going to go off and go to the Air Force Academy and go be a pilot, and go be a test pilot, and go do all this other stuff. And uh, I got to the Air Force Academy, and then I ran into CompSci 100. And, oh. <laughs> uh, and, and the Burroughs 6700 computer, which crashed all the time, and, and uh. punch cards that, that fell on the floor, and, and that, that I wasn't smart enough to number, so I could reassemble them. So, um, and I, I I discovered that, you know, being an engineer was not really my forte. So, so that, that, I sort of thought the dream was over then. I, but I went out to a, a career in the Air Force, and you know, I flew KC 135s, then went back and taught at the academy, and. Uh, and uh, that all set me up, strangely enough, for uh, uh, when I retired from the Air Force in 2001 to land a job at NASA, uh, much to my surprise, uh, in, in our international office. Uh, and so I, I went to work first for the, uh, the international office doing uh, things with Russia because I wrote my, as part of my teaching at the academy, I wound up getting sent off to school a couple of times. That, I guess they didn't think that it took the first couple of times. So, so anyway, I wound up doing my PhD on, uh, on basically the, the history of the Soviet space program. Wow, and uh, and so uh, I'm coming out of out of the Air Force, and and a friend says, "Hey, you know, I talked to the folks at NASA, and and uh, so I, what are the odds you know, that, that they have a they have a slot for somebody with kind of my weird skill set?" Sure enough, they were looking for a new Russia guy, um, and uh, and so I got hired to do that, um, and um, I did that for a few years, and then because uh, I'm a Russia ex- expert and it's the U.S. government. Uh, they said we're going to send you overseas to represent NASA overseas as, at one of our embassies, and so of course they sent me to Paris uh, <laughs> because I'm a Russian <laughs> expert. We actually have a guy in Moscow, uh, but I, for whatever reason, my boss sent me to Paris. So, so I did that for a couple of years, and I was coming back from that job. The chief historian job opened, um, and, uh, and and I, I thought that's that's going to be the best thing. So I applied for the job, and uh, much to my surprise, I, I got it, and. and uh, and ten years later, I am getting ready to retire from that job. But uh, it's it's been a great ride. Wow! Yeah, a, a career path. It sounds like I, I was thinking of uh, uh, on the prices right when they have plinko and the, the, the thing goes back and forth across and hitting the pins. <laughs> you hit every pin. It sounds like just amazing. Yeah. I've always wanted uh. to play plinko. <laughs> it looks you like hit, you hit something there, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Oh, that's that's great. And uh, I. I I guess as as you as you've been on your career and, and this, as, as we're talking, your your last day is is tomorrow. So you're as as people listening to this, you're you know enjoying retirement. Um, but uh, I was wondering, what advice would you give to the next your replacement chief historian? What are what what would you say that they need to do or avoid? Oh well, um, as always, the chief historian job is while you have to you know be a historian and, and you know be credible in terms of um, being able to sort of look at history and write about it and, and things, um, the it's really a management job because you know, you, like I said, we've got about twenty odd people at the agency doing history, and you're interacting with the you know the, the twenty thousand or so other people who are civil servants at NASA and the thousands of other folks who are you know, working for NASA as contractors at, at various levels, and uh, so it's really a people job, and and your job is the is the basically fly top cover for them. Uh, to make sure that uh, you know they're getting taken care of, so they can do their job. You know, so those oral histories can happen down there at JSC or um, or whatever other thing that needs to be. You know, the archivists are taken care of, and they can, you know, they're they're not getting um, hazardous waste being put in their in their archive, which was <laughs> which strangely enough was a discussion I was involved in a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, wow. uh, you know, all, all those sorts. Of, so I, I spent a lot of time in meetings doing that stuff. So I, I would 
I would tell you know whoever my successor is, and, and I don't know who it's going to be yet. They'll advertise the job. Um, so um, if you're listening to this relatively soon after the beginning of August, uh, keep an eye on USAJobs.gov if you want to be NASA historian, because that's where you would apply for the job. Uh, now's your chance, Chris. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just wrote down the address. So, <laughs> anyway, so uh, but yeah, I, I tell us, tell them, you know, take care of your people first because they're the ones who, who do the work, and uh, that's what your job is is to, is to make sure the wheels keep happening, um, and then um, you know, do your best, uh, you know, learn as much as you can because you know, no matter how much you know about things, I like you guys. Um, I'll go and I'll give a talk some, someplace about, uh, say, Apollo 13, and inevitably I'll get an email from somebody. It's like, well, you know, Bill, you didn't quite get this thing right because <laughs> I was on the launch team and we did this. <laughs> so, like, oh, okay. Uh, so you, know, you take a, you know, take a you know, big swallow of humility on a regular basis and, and say, you know, okay, uh, there's always something I can learn. And uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's probably the top things I'd say. Yeah, I I think a lot of people get the mistaken impression that in make, you know, making a correction to something is is going to be taken negatively. But it's like I enjoy corrections. I like learning more about stuff. And if I got it wrong, I'd rather know what's right. Yeah. Um, I, I do do enjoy getting those uh, those kind of emails from people. Um, some some are a little bit more fervent than others, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great. Um, I. I'm trying to think we've been, you know, we've been through 131 uh, episodes now, and I've been trying to think of a better movie about the history of space than uh, Apollo 13. And I mean, first man was good and uh, the right stuff gives you different ideas about things, but I still feel that Apollo 13 gives you the most accurate, not not only just the, the the facts of it, but the the overall feel of what it was like being in the Apollo era. And as you said, Bill, you and I are of of an age where we remember what this was like at the time. Would you say that that Apollo 13 does have that feel? Okay. Well, so first, a disclaimer. As a government employee, I'm not allowed to endorse (laughs) any government. Yes. That being said, yes. That being said, I I think you ask anybody at at NASA what, what the most accurate movie about space history that's ever been made is and they're all going to say Apollo 13 and, yeah. and I, I would too I mean it's 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 the most accurate it gives you the, the the best impression of what was going on uh, and I mean uh, you can literally take those transcripts of the air to ground transmissions and look at them and and the dialogue in the movie is you know is the transcript and you know in, in some places not but um, you know they, they, they went to it looks to me like great lengths to make sure that the they did a, a great job of that, and and uh, and uh, you know, having been involved peripherally in a couple of movie productions uh, the last couple of years, um, you know, it, 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 writing a script like that and getting you know distilling the story down so that it it, it fits into a movie is a movie that people want to watch and be willing to part with money with you know to, to watch, um, and uh, and and still trying to stay you know true to the facts, that's a really hard thing to do, um, and so you know hats off to um, to the whole production team there, you know, Ron Howard and the whole group there, they, they did an amazing job. And that's, I think that movie is just going to stand the test of time. I, I definitely agree. Um, well, well, Bill, thanks so much for being on, on the show. Uh, enjoy your retirement as much as you've enjoyed your jobs. I, I can tell that you've, you've enjoyed being in the history office for, for these many years. And, uh, and thank you for your, for your service to our country, uh, both in the air force and, uh, working for NASA and getting the story out of, of the history of, of this project. Um, but anyway, we will. We have a we have a great week coming up. We've got a lot a lot of folks uh, uh, turning up, and you were, you are the beginning of this this great final week. So uh, thank you again. I can't uh, wait to listen. 
Oh, it's it's exciting. Me, me too. We haven't recorded some of them, so it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, so, but uh, the uh, anyway, for folks who would love to uh, uh, send in comments or corrections or anything you'd like, we're always available on social media. Uh, on Facebook, we're at uh, the Apollo Thirteen Mission Control. Also on Twitter at Apollo Thirteen Minute. Uh, if you've missed any of the previous one hundred and thirty episodes, they're always available on our big website, Apollo Thirteen Minute dot com, Apollo One Three Minute dot com, or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you pick up your podcast we're probably on there so uh go in and subscribe and don't miss this last week as we're uh, we're getting some pretty exciting episodes coming up uh we will return uh tomorrow uh with some more interesting stuff as we wind down uh on our final week here uh looks like we're coming up on loss of signal in about 30 seconds so we will see you here tomorrow on the apollo 13 minute